Well, this morning we turn our attention to the 17th chapter of the prophecy of Jeremiah, looking at verses 5 through 18 of that chapter. I'm sure many of you have noticed how God often speaks to us in His Word through metaphors from His creation to help us understand more clearly the message of the Gospel. Jesus, for example, used the illustration of a mustard seed to teach us something of the power of faith. God often uses the imagery of living waters to teach us about the indwelling of His Spirit. He uses the birds of the air, the lilies of the field, to teach us to understand His fatherly care. And here in our passage for this morning in Jeremiah 17, God uses the imagery of a shriveling shrub in contrast to a tremendous tree to teach us something about trust in Him and His transforming grace. Listen to how Jeremiah says it. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart departs from the Lord. For he shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when good comes, but shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness in a salt land which is not inhabited. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when the heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will it cease from yielding fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. As a partridge that broods but does not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by right. It will leave him in the midst of his days, and at his end he will be a fool. A glorious high throne from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be ashamed. Those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Indeed, they say to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. But as for me, I have not hurried away from being a shepherd who follows you, nor have I desired the woeful day. You know what came out of my lips. It was right there before you. Do not be a terror to me. You are my hope in the day of doom. Let them be ashamed who persecute me, but do not put me to shame. Let them be dismayed, but do not let me be dismayed. Bring on them the day of doom and destroy them with double destruction. So far, the reading of God's word, may he bless that richly to us this morning. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ, indeed, we serve a gracious God. Even as we heard in our assurance of pardon a few moments ago, we 
serve a God who came in this world, in the flesh, to proclaim good news, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to recover sight to the blind. We serve a God who shows his love to the unloving and the unlovable. We serve a God who more than that shows his love to us in such a way that his love begins more and more to transform us into the people that he calls us to be. This remains as true today as it was in the days of the Old Testament. Consider how the Lord graciously called Abraham in love out of one place and brought him to another place, to that promised land of Canaan, that land flowing with milk and honey. How the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that he would be his God and that Abraham and his descendants after him would be God's people, provided that they would, like Abraham, cling to God's promises and faith, that they would trust in God through thick and thin, no matter what circumstances might come their way. And God remained faithful to those promises, didn't he? Even when famine swept across the promised land, The God of promise had Joseph already waiting in Egypt to provide for his people. And then many, many years later, when a wicked Egyptian king forgot Joseph and forced the people of Israel into bondage, even then the God of the covenant was paving the way for Israel's redemption. He caused Moses, the one through whom he would bring about their deliverance, to grow up in the courts of the king. So that when the time came, he and Aaron might speak to Pharaoh on behalf of Israel, on behalf of the Lord. And, and so begin that showdown of showdowns, the, the false gods of Egypt pitted against the one true God of Israel. Until finally Pharaoh would let them go and God would deliver them through the waters of the Red Sea. Never in the course of redemptive history did God cease in his faithfulness to the promise. But sadly, it was not so for the people of Israel. Time and again, the people of Israel would wane in their faithfulness. Time and again, they would forget the God who who had never forgotten them. When the heat came, when the trials of, of living life in a fallen world would come to test them, to test their faith, they would turn to their own devices They would lean on themselves and their own understanding, and so they would add trouble to their trouble. They would add hurt to their hurt, and they would only increase their misery. They grumbled against God in the wilderness, and then when they approached the land of promise, they were so overwhelmed by the size of the inhabitants that they groaned to Moses, Why have you brought us to this place? It would have been better to die in Egypt in the land of bondage. On account of their sins, God sentenced them to wander in the desert for 40 years, at which point only the younger generation be granted entrance into the land of promise. But before long, the generation to follow them, like the generation of their grandparents, would also wane in their faithfulness and trust in the Lord. And so God's cycles of discipline would start all over again. Israel would sin, God would discipline, Israel would repent, God would deliver, and so it happened again and again and again. Waning in their faithfulness, waning in their trust in God, the propensity to rely on themselves, on the strength of man, 
These things have come, had become all too characteristic of the people of Israel also in the days of Jeremiah. Whenever the heat came, whenever things began to diverge from the way they wanted things to be, whenever their plans would begin to fail, rather than turning to the Lord, God's people would far too often lean on themselves, trusting in the false gods of the pagan world, looking to the false fleeting comforts offered by the world. And we know what the sad reality is that these same propensities still reside in us to varying degrees today. Because as Jeremiah says, the heart of man is deceitful above all things. It is desperately sick. Who can understand it? Well, according to Jeremiah, only the Lord can understand. And because only the Lord can understand, only the Lord can address the problem. Brothers and sisters, how do you respond when the heat comes? We need to let that that question grip us this morning so that we might clearly see how God's grace alone nourishes those who trust in Him. His grace alone is able to heal and to restore. His grace alone is able to strengthen and to equip us with what we need to to respond to the heat in this life in a God-honoring way. And Jeremiah shows us that from three vantage points this morning. Firstly, in the sweltering heat that parches man. Secondly, through the sick heart that plagues man. And finally, in the saving hope that preserves man. God's grace nourishes those who trust in Him. But we begin in verse 5. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He shall be like a shrub in the desert and shall not see when any good comes. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness and in an uninhabited salt land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord whose hope, whose trust is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters, which sends its roots by the river. It does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And it is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. In this, the 17th chapter of his prophecy, Jeremiah, like so many of the biblical writers, presents us with an illustrative depiction of what life in a fallen world looks like. There are two groups of people. There are cursed people and there are blessed people. Both groups of people live in the same fallen world. Both groups of people undergo the same kinds of adversities, experience the same kinds of trials that sin brought into the world. Both the shrub as well as the tree endure the same sweltering heat of the sun. But the key point of contrast lies in how the people of these two groups respond to the sweltering heat that comes their way. And so Jeremiah presses us with the question, how do you respond to the heat? Do you respond in self-reliance? And human strength? Or do you instead respond by 
renewing your trust in the Lord by reaching out in faith towards His nourishing and replenishing grace, even as the roots of this tremendous tree reach out to the streams of living water. How have you been responding to the coronavirus? Were you one of the the early hoarders of bread and toilet paper? Or have you instead begun to view our current situation as an opportunity? Have you begun to view our situation as an opportunity to showcase to the world the compassion of Christ on account of the compassion that Christ has shown to us? Yes, Jeremiah is warning the people of Judah, the people of Judah who have forgotten God. They have begun to rely on the strength of men. They have begun to place their trust in princes. Perhaps if they make the right alliances, they they can escape the exile that the prophets are proclaiming. But Jeremiah is also speaking to us, people of God. Because we also live in a culture and in a world that promotes the very thing which Jeremiah says is cursed by God. We live in a culture and in a world that promotes the very thing that Jeremiah says will will only bring us to a dry desert land where thirst cannot be quenched. We live in a country whose currency says, in God we trust, but a culture who says, oh no, in man we trust. Not too long ago, I was tuning in to Fox News, and there it was, Tucker Carlson earnestly summoning his readers to, to self-sufficiency. We need to be self-sufficient, he said. What are we to make of that call? Certainly we're not called to necessarily rely on the government to, re- to provide our every need, but is it really appropriate to view ourselves as being self-sufficient? Or might it be the case that God is showing the world, that He's showing us the foolishness of that proposition? Perhaps our tendency to self-sufficiency and the tendency of the world to self-sufficiency is the very thing the Lord is seeking to undermine in our current circumstances today. We live in a culture and a world that says if only we can make further progress in science and medicine, then we'll be able to cure all our diseases. If only we can elect the right government officials, pass the right government policies, then we'll solve all our problems and secure our children's future. If only we can better educate, perhaps then we can rid the world of prejudice. It's a sad world we live in, isn't it? But it's sadder still that we as the people of God oftentimes fall into the same ways of thinking. Cursed is the man who trusts in man. Cursed is the man who makes flesh his strength. Cursed is the man whose heart departs from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Those who trust in themselves, says Jeremiah, are not planted by the living waters of God's nourishing and replenishing grace. 
And so when the heat comes, when they are faced with all the sadnesses and, and sorrows of living life in a fallen world under the sun, they, they shrivel up and begin to die. And because they have no roots in God's saving grace, they do not bear any bare fruit. Indeed, they cannot. But they are parched and lonely. And in the end, they are left with nothing. All those things the people of the world would spend their whole lives striving after, they cannot take with them in the end. Because none of those things truly belonged to them to begin with. Just like the partridge, verse 11, that gathers a brood she did not hatch, so is he who gets riches, but not by justice. In the midst of his days, it will leave him, and at his end, he will be a fool. Jeremiah must have been a keen observer of nature, because he must have observed how partridges oftentimes act like surrogate mothers. Partridges will oftentimes nestle their way into a nest that is not their own, and they will hatch eggs they did not themselves lay. But then what happens? No sooner do the chicks hatch, the chicks fly away because that partridge is not their mother. They do not belong to her. And so the partridge is left with nothing in the end. Such as people who trust in themselves, who trust in the flesh, who make the flesh of man their strength. Verse 13, all those who turn away from the Lord, he says, shall be written in the dust of the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Dust they are, and the dust they shall return. No strength for today, no hope for tomorrow. They shall be parched and lonely in a desert land. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. He is like a tree that is planted by the waters. It sends its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. Jeremiah, though a prophet of judgment, you see, is not negligent, is he, to also speak a message of grace. The Lord blesses those who trust in Him. His saving grace functions like an unlimited source of energy and vitality. So that even when the most distressing of circumstances come our way, God's people are said to be like tremendous, mighty trees planted by the waters. Their leaves remain green. They do not fear when the heat comes. They have no need for worry in the year of drought because they will not cease to bear fruit. Congregation, how do you respond when the heat comes? Do you look to man the things of this world for help and healing? Or do you instead look to the Lord, the fountain of living waters? We heard him speak in our call to worship those words of Jesus. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Are you heeding that call? We confess in Lord's Day 34 of the Catechism that the first commandment requires that even when the heat comes, we are to 
sincerely acknowledge the only true God, trust Him alone, and honor Him with all our hearts. But that's precisely the issue, isn't it? How can we honor God with all our hearts when Jeremiah says that the heart of man is deceitful above all things and and desperately sick? Listen again to how Jeremiah says it. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, or better put, desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. Give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. You see, brothers and sisters, Jeremiah knows how easy it is for, for us to fall into a false thinking that God is simply after our behavior when the reality is that all along God has been after our hearts. Time and again throughout the history of Israel, we find the people of Israel forgetting that very thing. They would begin to think that as long as they gave God sacrifice, then they would retain His favor. But they had it all wrong, people of God. Yet how often do we begin to function the same way? How quickly don't we also begin to think that as long as I do the right things, then I'll be okay. As long as I remain devoted in my devotions, As long as I have a good work ethic or try my hardest at school, then I'll attain the favor of God in the sight of man and in the sight of God. But God is not simply looking for good outward behavior. But as Jeremiah says, our God is the God who searches the heart. And so Solomon said to us, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. And He will direct your paths. But our greatest problem, as Jeremiah says, is that the heart is deceitful above all things. Our hearts are desperately sick. Unless God graciously intervenes, our hearts are incurable and will only lead to death. For from within, out of the heart of a man, said Jesus, come evil thoughts. Out of the heart, said Jesus, come evil thoughts of sexual immorality and theft and murder, adultery, deceit, and so on. All these things, he said, come from within. And they defile us. Our hearts are sick. Jeremiah knows that. And when we examine our own hearts, when we examine our own broken and and bent affections that spring forth from our hearts, we come to know that also, don't we? How often don't our own hearts betray us? Even as those who have been redeemed, we still find ourselves falling into the same old sins because those sins are what our fallen hearts crave and long for. And yet every time we give in to those sins, we never find what we're looking for, do we? The Lord graciously bids us, come. Come to the living waters. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money on which does not satisfy, he cries out. But so often we do that which the Lord lamented in Jeremiah 2. My people have committed two evils, he says. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters. They have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. And so we sing those words with conviction, don't we? Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Because our hearts betray us. Our betraying hearts summon us and, and coax us to, to follow after our sinful desires like, like a mirage in the desert until we find ourselves in the desert. Nothing there to quench our thirst, left to feel isolated and alone and distant from the Lord. Oh, how frightening it is. That the same sick hearts that fail us are the same hearts which the Lord searches out in order to judge each man according to the deeds that spring forth from them. And yet, brothers and sisters, the message of the gospel is that there is a cure for our sick hearts. If only we will look outside of ourselves to another. If only we will seek after a new heart. Only will seek after a new heart that hasn't been infected by sin. Only then is there hope for us. But if we are left to ourselves, if we are left to the imaginations of men, then our hearts will remain sick and incurable. It will only bring us to the death that we deserve. God alone is able to cure that which we cannot cure. God alone is able to intervene with His restoring and healing grace. And that's why Jeremiah cries out in faith in verse 14, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved, for You are my praise. People of God, I'm glad to tell you this morning that the Lord answers that prayer in Jesus Christ, Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved. He answers that prayer even as he answered David's prayer for a new heart in Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew within me a right spirit. The Lord has fulfilled that prophecy He made in Ezekiel 36 that a day would come when He would send His Spirit to to remove our hearts of stone, to give us new hearts of flesh. And in that way, the Lord brings to pass that familiar promise He makes later on in Jeremiah 31, where He says, Behold, the days are coming. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. And I will put My law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. They shall all know the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. I will remember their sins no more. God's grace heals and nourishes those who trust in Him. His grace heals and nourishes even us to the point we really do begin to bear much fruit. 
in virtue of a Christ-wrought heart transplant, we do begin to, to will what God wills. We begin to love the things that God loves. And even though we still sin, we learn to hate our sin. We learn to mortify our old selves and to put on the new self, which is after Christ Jesus. We learn to love what He loves the more that we grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ Jesus. We confess that in Lord's Day 44, that we really do begin to make small beginnings of obedience in this life. We really do begin with, with all seriousness of purpose to live according to all, not only some of God's commandments. To summarize all this and God's astounding grace and mercy, He provides for us. We could not otherwise provide for ourselves. And that, of course, is the gospel in a nutshell, isn't it? God provides for us. We could not otherwise provide for ourselves healed hearts, new hearts through the regenerating work of the Spirit of Christ. God alone supplies the saving hope that preserves man. Saving hope in the midst of sweltering heat. Saving hope in the midst of sick hearts. And so Jeremiah extols the Lord, does, and he cries out, A glorious throne set on high is the place of our sanctuary. And he calls upon the Lord as the hope of Israel, the fountain of living waters. Jeremiah, he has come to know and embrace these precious truths. And now this morning, the Spirit of Christ invites us to do the same this morning. For there was indeed a time in Jeremiah's own life when he had questioned God's goodness when the heat came. Jeremiah was being faithful in his ministry, but his faithfulness was not being met with the fruitfulness that he was looking for. For there were those all around him who were mocking him and ridiculing him. Verse 15, Behold, they say to me, Where is the word of the Lord? Let it come now. You prophesy judgment. We don't see any judgment. And so in chapter 15, Jeremiah cried out to God, Why? Why is my pain unceasing and my wound incurable? Refusing to be healed. Will you be to me like a deceitful brook? Like waters that fail? Maybe some of you have experienced in your own heart that kind of skepticism. Is God really the fountain of living waters? Is He really good? Or is He a deceitful brook like waters that fail? That's what hard hearts want us to think. But now here in chapter 17, Jeremiah has been gripped again by the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose hope is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by the waters, sends out its roots by the stream, and does not fear when the heat comes. For its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought. It does not cease to bear fruit. And so Jeremiah becomes a picture of that greater shepherd to come, doesn't he? 
You can almost hear the voice of Christ, the good shepherd, coming out of Jeremiah. Behold, they say to me, where is the word of the Lord? Let it come. You hear the voice of Christ when Jeremiah says, I have not run away from being your shepherd. You, O Lord, are my refuge in the day of doom. And so it is also for us, people of God. The Lord is our refuge also in the day of doom and disaster. And so we do not fear when the heat comes. We do not worry in the year of drought. Because God remains gracious in the midst of the heat. God remains faithful in the year of drought. He ensures that your leaves will will remain green. He ensures that you will continue to bear much fruit. For he was so committed to being gracious and faithful in these ways that he was even willing to take upon himself the very curses he proclaims in verses 5 and 6. For none of us could ever trust the Lord enough to atone for all the times that we trust in ourselves. But alas, Christ came into the world, didn't He? Christ Jesus comes into the world free of a sick heart. And not even for a moment did He waver in His trust in God, but He committed Himself to the trust and will of His Father, even when doing so meant becoming the accursed one in our place as He hung upon the cross. And what did Jesus cry out from there? He said, I thirst. Jesus became the cursed one. Jesus became that shriveled shrub in the desert with unquenchable thirst for you. So that you might know the grace and the mercy of the fountain of living waters. And if God was willing to intervene for you in that way then, will he not continue to intervene for you in the days to come? Is not God still being gracious and faithful in the midst of the coronavirus? Is He not still being gracious in the midst of our lives, being put on hold of our plans, being disrupted? Is He not being gracious and faithful in the midst of low-attended funerals, low-attended worship services, weddings being cut down, jobs being lost, financial security being given up, and everything else? People of God, a glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. Therefore, turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord when the heat comes. Do do storm the mercy seat in heaven where Christ is seated at God's right hand. Because our God remains to this day the hope of Israel, the fountain of living waters. And so I urge you on behalf of Christ this morning to stay close to the Lord in the midst of the heat. Stay close to the Lord when the heat comes. During the dry seasons of this life, don't go beyond the water's edge. Because beyond the water's edge is a dangerous desert land where you will not be able to quench your thirst. Beyond the water's edge is danger. When I was perhaps three or four years old, we were still living on 
West Second, one of our neighbors made a comment to my mother saying, Boy, does your son have a respect for the curb. You see, it was for my good and for my sake that my mother taught me that I must not go beyond the curb's edge, but as long as I stayed close to home, then I would be safe. And that's what God is saying to us here in our passage this morning. Don't go beyond the water's edge. Don't go beyond the water's edge where there is danger and desert, but stay close to home. Find security there and grace to nourish you there. Stay closely tethered to the Lord in faith. Don't turn away when the heat comes. Don't turn to your own strength. Don't turn to the fleeting comforts offered by the world. But again, God says, cling to Christ. Reach towards His nourishing grace, just as the roots of the tremendous tree reach out towards the streams of living waters. Reach for His grace even now. Pray for His grace in the midst of this virus, that it, while it is destroying so many lives, meditate on His Word. Store up His promises in your hearts and begin already to, to pray your way throughout the day so that when greater heat comes in the future, which it likely will, so that when things continue to go wrong and adversity continue to come our way, we will have already made a habit of recognizing that there is no life, no healing, no hope apart from the Lord and His saving grace. Even when the world mocks you and ridicules you for doing so, as it did Jeremiah, trust that there shall be vindication for the righteous. Jeremiah says that all who forsake the Lord shall be put to shame. Those turn away shall be written in the earth, for they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living water. They will be dismayed when the heat comes. They will be dismayed when Christ comes, and they shall be doubly destroyed in the day of doom. For the righteous, it will not be the case. Because for the righteous, a glorious throne set on high from the beginning is the place of their sanctuary. And for the righteous, God is still their refuge in the day of disaster. And all of you who have placed your trust in Him shall surely be lifted up and exalted at the day of Christ's coming. So if you're listening this morning and you're yet trusting in yourselves, we hope and pray that you would be gripped by the gospel of Christ this morning. That you would look to Him for strength and nourishing grace in the midst of these perilous times. That you would take heart by the promise of God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Blessed is the man whose hope is in the Lord. He is like a tree that is planted by the waters. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves remain green. It does not cease to bear fruit. It is not anxious. It does not worry. Amen. Shall we pray?